A Nazi sub reaches Canada. The story of a changing town seen through the eyes of characters growing from children to adults. A spoiled child becomes a spoiled man. An older man leads a group of children to England. Lou Gehrig. A soldier experiences multiple instances of memory loss. An escaped prisoner shacks up with a potential Supreme Court justice and his new assistant. A group of Marines try to hold back the Japanese Navy. George M. Cohan. And an upper-middle-class family experiences World War II in Britain. This time on the Oscar should have gone to 1942. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to Mrs. Miniver. Mago. Grego. I appreciate the brevity of <clears throat> some of those descriptions. Lou Gehrig. Just like Lou Gehrig. I literally started to write something and I was like, I'm just going to write Lou Gehrig. That's really Lou all. Gehrig. That's really basically what that movie is. It's just Lou all, Gehrig. All needs. That's all you need to know. Um, <clears throat> we are back after our cursed episode. Yeah. Um, it's good to I be think, back. I think we decided between us it was having a guest. That's what made it yeah. cursed. It's not, it's not either of us that has done no, this. No, so. it was Jonah's fault. I think yeah. that's clear. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And I'm sure uh, he's listening to this and he's nodding along and he's saying that's correct. That's correct. It's on me. He put a hex. Yeah. He, it's, it Jonah, is he- uh, Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex. Uh, it is spooky season. He put a spell on us. Yeah. And now we're cursed. Who is that in that? <laughs> was that Josh Brolin? Was Jonah Hex? It's a movie called Jonah Hex. Remember yeah, that? I remember yeah. that. Yeah. I remember that. Vaguely. Vaguely, vaguely, vaguely. Yeah. 1942. Fuck you, Craig. Ten <laughs> movies from this. <laughs> it's sort Ten of an intro. This year, and I just remembered to start watching them this week. So it's been a real <laughs> long fucking week for me. And um, I, I got to tell you, I think I would do well in the 40s. Yeah. You think so as a performer or just as someone living then? Oh, no. Just as someone like living. Right. The, although, they, how long do you think these hairstyles took? I'd like, I'd like to mm. know. I'd like a tutorial. Probably took a, it probably took quite a while because most of the women at this time weren't part of the workforce. So they probably right. spent a lot of time really taming that quaff yeah. while their husband was... Bringing home Didn't the they bacon. Have other stuff to do though, like churn, yeah, the household, the house, and, and well, right. you know, it depends on. Speaking of the women in this movie, you know, some of some of them, people like Mrs. Miniver, probably weren't doing much cooking or cleaning. They probably had people sure. to do that for them. Sure, they could just true. go out I mean, and buy I, hats. You know, I just think it's interesting because I have all these modern conveniences. Yeah, in my in my shitty little home, and I'm not working today, and I it I could barely. Be bothered to wash my hair, and right. it's, I mean I do that like you know twice a week, right? And that was a that was a that was a big thing for me today. Yeah, that's all. I'm just thinking about you know how long it took them to get ready. Yeah, seems um, like a long time. I think this is sort of an interesting year, just in term not in terms of the movies necessarily, but in terms of um, because obviously by the time these movies come out, the U.S. is at war, but probably when a lot of the American ones were shot, we weren't. And you kind of see that. Not all of them. Not all of them. There's <laughs> Not one all in of particular. Them. Yeah. But you kind of see that, like, there's, like, 
three or four British films from this year that are all about war. Yeah. And the others sometimes have, like, you know, when we talk about, like, Yankee Doodle Dandy, they have, like, like soldiers tacked onto the end of them. Yeah. But really, with the exception of Wake Island, none of them are really about war that yeah. are the U.S. No. productions. So it's just, no. it's just an interesting... Uh, it's an interesting little uh, little tidbit. I was looking something up. I was looking something up. And it said, it the internet said something about, like, before we entered the war, you the Hayes Code, you couldn't have anti-Nazi propaganda, like, in your movies. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that, other than to say, like, the anti the 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 fact that they're that the anti you know German whatever yeah the warmongering movies are all British just I guess it makes sense yeah <laughs> um, should we dive in adjust my mic and make it a little louder and yes let's please go ahead um, so we'll yes, start and this please. is an interesting little piece of trivia with this first film so the first film nominated is a movie called Forty Ninth Parallel which was released in the United States as The Invaders, and this is the only Academy Award nominee, Best Picture nominee, in history that has had two separate English language titles. Obviously, it happens all the time for international films because there's translation, but this is the only Best Picture nominee that was known, has been known by two separate titles in the English wow, language. Wow, Craig, that is an interesting fact. 49th Parallel, better name for the movie, so don't know sure. why the studio execs were like, nope, got to make this really obvious and just call it The Invaders. The Invaders. Um, 49th Parallel is an interesting name for a movie which gave me high hopes for this movie, and they were <laughs> dashed. Yeah. It's an interesting idea for a movie. I don't feel like it. Uh, I ever was like super uh, in on it, but, I mean, it's pretty straight. U.S., you need to help us come join the war propaganda because yeah. it's all about a Nazi sub that uh, gets sunk in Canada and then the soldiers that were on that sub kind of invading the land and trying to make their way to the United States. Yeah. The uh, film is dedicated to too many people right Mm -hmm. up top. They're like, we are going to dedicate this to basically everybody but Adolf Hitler. Right. Um, And then... And it does start from a Nazi point of view where I was yeah. like, where are we going here? Yeah, it is. And it kind of the whole way through there was, I mean, they're like, they pull out Mein Kampf at some point. And it, yeah. again, ultimately they are the bad guys, but it was sort of like, if you're watching this from a perspective, you know, from a perspective of somebody in the forties, who's not that familiar with, you know, the way things are about to shake down, yeah. you're sort of like... <laughs> Who is this Hitler gentleman? Should yeah. I pick that? Should I pick up this book? Because it seems to have done wonders for these people. Yeah. Um, uh, Laurence Olivier is in this movie. Yeah, he has he a brief, is... basically, a, I guess you could call it like an extended cameo yep. in this film. Because um, I saw that he was in it, and I just assumed that you know we were going to British be, soldier. Like, he, sure, he'd be following him. No, he plays a French Canadian. <laughs> That it feels like this is the inspiration for a lot of our great actors um, <laughs> periods of time where like, you know, we talked about it with Meryl Streep when we did her stuff where Meryl was just in like 
since her accent era and like yeah. all she really cares about is tackling a different accent for each performance because yeah. he is going for it. Uh, going. Yeah. He's in a house with a, a Japanese man, mm-hmm. a Scottish yeah. man. I mean, yeah. I guess he's pro- like, he sounds Scottish. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and he's the French and Canadian. And he is like, he is like the most Quebecois, yeah. uh, thing imaginable <laughs> he says he says nom de dieu at one point which is in my uh i my french teacher in high school monsieur dion he was uh very french canadian and he that was like the worst thing you could say that's like that's like a very it's like bad swear in, mm. i mean it means name of god but it's like that's right but you just it's like something that. you don't do probably wouldn't yeah. be able to say it if he hadn't said it in french no, no. Probably the probably, Hayes, probably, probably the Hayes yeah, probably Hayes Code would have uh, jumped like, all over him. Yeah, that's that's probably fine. He's probably saying the name, the, that, <laughs> name of a dish. Name of a dish. Did I ever tell you about the time that I was in? We were in France on our honeymoon, and I said "fermetagil" to the waiter as a joke because we were like all we were we were joking around. Yeah, which means like shut your fucking mouth. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the waiter the was next. like, <laughs> he laughed. The table next to us, full of older French ladies were scandalized. Maddie mm. was like, they almost fell off of their chairs when they heard you <laughs> yell fam to yell to the waiter. Anyway. Um, yeah, he's really going for it. It is quite a, it is quite wild. It is quite wild. Uh, so it's basically just them then kind of going from place to place, trying to be Nazis. There's an extended sequence where they go to this almost like commune, area mm. uh and are convinced H- rights or the yeah hitter, and they're like convinced hitters. these people are actually like secret nazis and that they've found yeah. like their people again and then they're like no that's not what we Mm-mm. actually <laughs> that way because <laughs> they're ger- they're like they're doing something german yeah they're like eating uh, schnitzel or something and they're like boom guys get on board Mein Kampf and yeah, yeah. And they're like no 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 not for us mm-hmm. and it's sort of like a, we kind of just follow them as they dwindle as sort of each place they go they lose somebody for mm-hmm. usually because they're killed yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then they killed that one and then they killed the one guy who wanted to stay with the cutter rights and be a baker because he was a baker yeah. yeah and I felt bad for that man because it did seem like he man. had realized the mm-hmm. anger the uh the the problems with uh, with the Third Reich, and he just wanted yeah. to go back to baking. He did not seem in on the whole Nazification. Um, this movie is not. I, great. Wrote, I wrote down about that. You can come live here if your friends don't execute you in the next scene. Because basically, <laughs> they tell him when he's done with and his like conscription, he can come back and live with them. But then he immediately is just killed by his. Is just executed. Yeah, yeah. that guy was a real dick. Yeah, and then they come to America at the end, and the French, the Canadian guy is like, "Send us back, <laughs> send us back to Canada." Even though he's a, des- a deserter, I, I, whatever. It's the tone of that last scene is very like, you know, it's very rah rah. Yeah, America except rah rah Canada, and it's uh, this wasn't the one for me. This wasn't it. No, sorry. Apologies to Sir Lawrence Olivier. Yeah. Amazing accent. I feel like this is maybe going to become a trend, um, that phrase. This wasn't the one for me. <laughs> this wasn't the one for me. Well, it's funny because, like, they're almost all about the war or in some sort of way. 
Yeah. <clears throat> but this is not the one about the war. Right. For me. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on then to King's Row, starring a dashing, <laughs> handsome young man who, some would say, led to the downward turn <laughs> of our country, <laughs> Ronnie Reagan. TBH, young Ronald Reagan can get it. He is a handsome hot man. in this movie. He's you a can good see why dude. he was able to, you know, seduce the world. In <laughs> yeah. Into thinking that he is uh, a competent leader. Yeah. Um, now this movie yeah, kind of does go. This movie does kind of go well with the modern Republican Party because it opens with a group of children seemingly just like tormenting a mentally disabled mm-hmm. boy. Like that's sort mm-hmm. of like the first one of the first images we see. Yeah. In this film, so well the one the first image we see is the sign for the town, which says Kings Row, a good clean town, mm-hmm. yeah, clean place, a good clean town to raise your children, and I was like, no thanks, yeah, give me I that mean, dirt, the, yeah, give well, me that they, dirt. The, no, I mean that's but that is one of the good clean places that children go to hang out is a mound of dirt with gymnastic <laughs> rings. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I was like, what? What exactly is this place supposed to be? It um, is a real this this movie is a real trip. It's like you're thinking it's going to be a slice of Americana, and then it's then a bad town. The, it's a bad it's town. It's a bad town. It's a it is a bad. It's not a good town. Is this the one where the guys? I'm sorry, I'm like mixing them up now. Is this the one where the the woman's father kills her? Yes, poisons her and then kills himself. Okay, yeah. Okay. So we're kind of so following woman, like four yeah. or five kids. <clears throat> And one of them, like, isn't allowed to go to, we see early on, and then she's not allowed to go to school anymore. And then later, um, the father kills her. But we, it turns out that he killed her because his wife suffered early onset dementia. And Mm -hmm. he has recognized the same thing in his daughter. Mm -hmm. So he has killed her to spare her from going through that and then killed himself. Yeah. Killed, killed her to spare his, uh, his like mentee yeah. who's in love with the daughter, yeah. whatever. And I so he's, like, so this doctor is a, a doctor of psychology, psychiatry. Uh, yeah. there's another doctor in the town that to, um, spare <laughs> his daughter, um, or I guess to get revenge for his daughter, right? Yeah, it's hard yeah. to say exactly because Ron- it's hard to say why. Basically, he Ronald sees- Reagan uh, is in an accident where who's they a scamp. say he's been. Ronald he's Reagan's been, a little bit of a scamp. He's a scamp, and by the way, a little bit of a scamp. He goes like riding with. Uh, yeah, he goes women. riding around with uh, untoward women. Yeah, um, he like falls by a train car. And they say basically his legs got tr- crushed by the train and they had to be amputated. But it turns out that he really just like tripped and the doctor yeah. apparently has just amputated his legs for kids. For funsies. <laughs> yeah. And then he wakes up and screams, where's the rest of me? And yeah. I did get a, a, a big teehee out of that. I did think that was very funny. His reaction of his, his line read of where's the rest of me was pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, pretty Pretty, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Um, Louise, I believe, is the doctor's daughter's name, right? And when they say right. that Ronald Reagan's been in the accident, I wrote down, Louise, why are you crying? And then I wrote, what are you crying about? And then I wrote, you're not crying, you can't act very well. <laughs> 
She was not. Uh, she was nobody in this movie. I, I guess I liked the the one the tomboy that Reagan ended up with, who was like, of course I'm only a woman. I don't know anything about money. Yeah. And, and she's trying to, which I was like, well, this is where Reaganomics comes from. She was like, I don't know anything about money, but I was thinking maybe we should invest in these properties. Yeah. Have you heard of trickle down? Have you heard of that? Because I heard that's a thing that works. <clears throat> um, I almost thought that they were going to, the two childhood friends, Ronald Reagan and the doctor that comes back, when he comes back, they get real close. Yeah. And I was like, Kiss. When the when the doctor comes back, um, who was in love with the girl whose father killed her, <laughs> um, the the sweet the sweet ending of the movie is he finds love with a teen uh, for, with an Austrian from a teenage Austrian, mm-hmm. and he has studied in Vienna, mm-hmm. you know, at the forefront of psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's literally. Ronald Reagan, first of all, they tell him about how he didn't need to have his legs amputated. And he basically he just starts laughing well. and he's like, ha ha, laugh out loud. I don't need yeah. legs. That's fine. I don't need legs. Even though Who cares? I've literally that- been in bed crying about it for four years because I'm so mm-hmm. depressed. Um, but now that you've told me that uh, I should be fine. It was all totally unnecessary. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. That's an interesting. Um, and then he runs out of the house and runs through a field and embraces his new young lover. Yeah. This movie is not for me also. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say not for me. And I did, you know who else appreci- is not for me is Ronald fucking Reagan. <laughs> yeah. I did appreciate how uh, batshit insane parts of it were. Yeah. It was crazy. When she came, when it came, when the news came down that the woman, that the, the love interest, her father poisoned her and then killed himself. I was like, okay, we are taking an interesting turn. Yeah. <clears throat> but really fuck Reagan. Yeah. The Magnificent. And, and fuck Reagan, and I would fuck Reagan. But, yeah. like, you know. But then. Early Reagan. Not now. Not, yeah, not Definitely now. not now. I mean, Definitely like not now. years in the grave. So. Gross. Yeah. Gross, guys. Gross. Um, it is interesting, though, that this movie, uh, a lot of it centers on dementia, which, of course, like, famously, Reagan probably was suffering from during his presidency. So. Sure. All those jelly beans. Bad for yeah. you. Sugar is bad for you. <clears throat> what did That's he call his, his wife, mother? Did he call... Is that it? Mommy? Mommy. Yeah. I'm, get, I'm getting yelled from the back. Mommy. Yeah. yeah. Oof. That's. I well, mean, mommy. That's a ter. I'm gonna pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> what is? Have you seen the Thirty Rock joke where he's like, "Everyone talked like this in the '80s. Reagan talked like this." <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got to move on. Let's do it. The magnificent Amber. We got to move on, Craig. I know you want to talk about King's Row all I day know, long. Just all day long. Uh, magnificent. The magnificent Amberson. So Orson, Orson Welles films. Wells. This is famously uh, the studio edited this down significantly. I think originally mm-hmm. the cut was like much longer. Um, it still works. It doesn't seem like a hack job. Not at all. And when I saw that it was an hour and a half, I was like, "Praise Let's be!" Go. Yeah. Woohoo! Woohoo! Yeah. Um, the the, like, what's it called? Lesson of this movie? Whatever. The, the theme of this movie is that sons and their mothers are weird, mm-hmm. which is concerning to me as yeah. somebody with a son. It's not, yeah. not ideal. Um, not ideal. The kid. 
Basically, I mean, it's, when a, it, it's a it's you know this family that's like the richest family in town, and mm-hmm. uh, the grandson is uh, a little shit. A little shit. I literally was like a little. <laughs> he, so much so that he even wears like he has like his. I don't know if it's a. I mean, it's obviously a wig in the movie, but like the fucking little curls. He's got yeah. the little curls and the little yeah, hat little and everything. Lord Fauntleroy. Yeah, a little Lord yeah. Fauntleroy shit. Um, he sucks, and then when he grows up, he looks about 40 years old. <laughs> yeah. And they're trying to convince him. He's like, that he's like a, uh, you know, a, a contemporary of Anne fucking Baxter, who's so hot. <laughs> and I'm it's like, f- you wish. You fucking It's very wish. funny when they're, when he's like courting her, um, and he's back from college, and he's like, what's your last name? Morgan? Funny name. And he's like, that's how we do horsing in college. Oh, yeah? You just take a really standard last name and say that's a funny just name? Just go, that's a funny name. That's really witty, your he college really, experience. It really took him a very long time to understand that she was the daughter of the dude that her his mom wanted to fuck. Yeah. The, the person that his mom was always in love with, mm-hmm. but they did not end up together. So, um, Mostly because of him. Yeah. Um, the uh, grandma from Bewitched is really doing the most. Yeah. They're, you know, everybody's turning up a little bit. These are mostly stage actors because they all are from, like, you know, Orson Welles sort of RKO stage group. Um, so, you know, like we have, uh, what's her name? My girl from All About Eve and Agnes Moorhead. Yeah. No, that's uh, the grandma this, from Bewitched. Yeah, but, but it's her first, this is her first movie. Well, let me just say, um, I'm not mad at it. Like it, it because right. it's like very, the, the whole movie is very soapy. It's about like the downfall of like the rich family in town. So like this, the scene where she's like, I wish the boiler was on and, and is like, whatever. I'm like, okay, fun. Like fun. Honestly. Yeah. Like turn it on. Go, yeah. Go to, um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a watchable movie. Yeah, totally watchable. There's a lot of stuff that, I mean, he just stays awful. Like, basically, you know, Wilbur, Wilbur dies, his his father. His dad, yeah. And, uh, you know, his mom's trying to rekindle this long-lost love. Not, like, they're just, like, going out driving, you know? Going out driving, that's what people did back then. And George is like, no! He's basically like, instead of you rekindling your long-last love, baby wants to go away. Yeah, baby wants to go on a trip and spend all of our money. Um, he's gross. Like, yeah. Again, I just want to say, like, mothers and their sons are weird. Mm. And then she consistently picks him over, I don't know. That's all. Mothers and their sons. This is do me. you think... This is me 25 years. Well, it, <laughs> 40 years. <laughs> this So this movie, do you think this... Um, do, uh, so similar, like, Fosse Bows, like... In a Fosse musical, they always have, like, everyone does, like, their separate bow. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think movies should have, like, the main cast have to be read aloud by the director as they Not show them? Not just the cast. It was yeah. the whole, all of the credits were yeah. spoken. Uh, again, I kind of liked it. Yeah, I dug it. I was I'm like, fine with it. I was like, okay, this is fun. Again, when it's or- Orson Welles doing it, too, and it's, like, it lends that, like, kind of gravitas. I was like... This is good. Maddie this morning was like, what if we dressed up Harry for Halloween? 
as Orson Welles. Mm. Just a thought. Just a thought. Like a, like, a little suit, uh, a little beard on like, him. Like 80s commercial era Orson Welles? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, give him a cigar or something. Yeah, not like not like young Orson Welles. It's fun to dress, dress up young things like a baby. Like as old things. Yeah. So what would you and Maddie be in this situation? <clears throat> See, this is the thing that I've thought about this for a long time. Oh, we have to do like a, like a family costume. And then right. what I remembered was I actually don't give a shit about Halloween. Don't right. like it very much. And it's a, it is a, uh, it is a uh, holiday for children. So why the fuck am I worried about, like, when am I going to be? First of all, we're not going anywhere, really. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, and you also don't like, and you also hate satanic things. Oh, my gosh. I'm very Your Puritan background in New Hampshire. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I know witches are real. You had to experience so. them every day growing up. Yeah. Every time you so, looked in a mirror. So I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you think this nose just happened? It didn't. <laughs> The witch knows. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not like, I don't give a shit about Halloween. Are you like a Halloween person? I forget. Not really. Yeah. No, not really. We have some ghosts it's, hanging outside. So that's fun. I mean, it's fun yeah. to like, you know, like lean in a little bit, but I'm not like losing sleep over like what my, you know, costume will be. Costume's gonna be. Right. <clears throat> I am losing sleep though because. Of all that sugar. It's bad for you. It's bad it's for bad you. You got to top it. Gave, it gave Ronald Reagan dementia. Yeah. George ends up breaking some legs, but that's like the least he deserves. Um, yeah. So let's move on. And we'll talk about the Pied Piper. So the, the Pied, Pied Piper, Piper is one of the only Best Picture films that's never been released on DVD. So the version that I have is, uh, it's like a bootleg that I got from Germany that I think is probably taped off like TMC or it's cause it's not like a lost, like when we get back into the thirties, there's a couple of movies that are like basically lost. Like I think UCLA has most of this movie called the white parade and they have like a reel of the Patriot, but those movies are, are you planning on sending me over there to the, watch these or we'll have to, we'll have to figure it out when we reach 1934 or whatever the first one is. The Patriots from the very first year of the Oscars, but um, but, uh, so the quality of this and Megan can attest to this is not great. The first like 10 minutes is like really bad. And then it sort of evens out, but I yeah, think it was I, just like taped off of. Yeah. I actually DCM didn't, you, you, something. you warned me of that. I actually didn't mind it that much. It's funny that this is the one that is, people are <laughs> not going to get. Cause <laughs> I will say I have sort of the most notes about this one. I like was oddly into this movie and hmm. and I don't think it was like great right. obviously tonally it's very wild so yeah. he's in and I think again it's because this is the beginning of the war yeah so like I don't think and I think people were like nothing will ever be worse than world war like world war one so the tone is a little like fun and flirty a little bit and i'm like guys like you don't even know where we're going here yeah um, so like literally it's about he's he's this man he's living abroad in france mm-hmm. uh, as the war is breaking out and he's going to go back to england but the family he's living with basically ask because his the father is sort of like a like a freedom fighter-esque character am i that's 
Right. Yeah. And like, so, but the mother is he's like, like a diplomat or something. Yeah. And the mother's like, yeah. I need to be with him, but we don't want to take our children here. And I was like, shouldn't, I mean, shouldn't one of you be with your children? But yeah. so they basically ask Monty Woolley, who we've experienced uh, before. He was in uh, Since You've Been Away. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer him with the bulldog to the children personally, <laughs> but um, he, uh, is asked to take them to England. And then, like, mm-hmm. as he continues this trek, he basically continues to pick up more children along the way um, that he's trying to get out of war-torn Europe because this is before yeah. England's really been attacked at all. It's it's basically my nightmare in yeah. that kids, kids are just multiplying on me mm-hmm. every time he turns around, there's a new kid. He, their reaction, like, again, tonally, there's a part where they're, like, fleeing and like bombs come and like like they're shot at they're bombed like they're this whole caravan or whatever his reaction is very casual yeah just like just like hang on guys i gotta go back up to the road to grab something and there's just like dead bodies everywhere and the even the music is like (laughs) like it's just very like well the thing that most stuck out to me is so at one point they're kind of caught by the Nazis. Right. And they're not going to be able to go any further. And this one like commandant basically agrees to let him go if he will take his child. Yes. And his child, like basically when he meets Monty Woolley is like Heil Hitler and does the Heil. And he's, and it's basically like a joke, like, uh, we're probably going to have to teach them not to do that. It won't be accepted the same way in other places. (laughs) Yes. It's, and the kid is half Jewish, and that's why they're like, take take her. Yeah. Which also, by the way, in 1942 feels, I guess, like, I just don't, I didn't realize that everybody, I mean, like, obviously Crystal not happened and, like, all of, you know, but, like, I didn't know that it was, I, I don't know that to the average American, I, like, what did they think was going on? Yeah. I, I, it's like, again, it's just, like, totally very... It's very strange. Even in the beginning, they have the Winston Churchill's like address, you know, like yeah. we're at war or whatever. But it's not Churchill. It's like a bad voiceover, which I'm like, could you not just use Churchill's address? I get right. Well, it we'll get we'll so... get to we'll get to bad impersonations of world oh, figures well, in World that's... War Two later on. <laughs> we really will get to that. It just is. It just was a real. <laughs> Oh, God. It just was a... And then the whole joke about, like, the state of Rochester. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it starts out that he thinks Rochester... He's, like, trying to name U.S. states, and he names one. He says Rochester's one, which, of course, it's a city, and it comes back around at the end. Kind of as a joke with the Nazis. Kind of as a joke. Well, they even say at one point, someone says, I don't think they'll do anything to the children. I said, yes, Nazis famously good. (laughs) <laughs> um, about such things. Yeah. Um, and Baxter in this movie also. French accent. Okay accent work. She's working it. You know, she's, she she's, is. she's out there. Again, um, very hot. Very hot. Love Ann Baxter. I, yeah. I just was like, this movie went down easy for me, even though right. I was like, mostly because I was like, this is a wild tone. But like, it was just like this guy with, it was like jokey, jocular old man with a bunch of kids. Yeah. I guess because it's more, because there's a movie I'm going to talk about that was not nominated, um, 
so we'll get to it. But it's a similar thing, but it sort of disproves my point with that movie and that I felt like I felt like that movie was so clearly very good, but maybe be, the way they treated Nazis, it was too soon at the time yeah. uh, to be in there, so people kind of ignored it. But this movie kind of does also, although I guess this movie is definitely more sentimental uh, because yeah. it's about an old man and children. Yeah. It's just weird watching a lot. Again, I think it's weird watching a lot of these war movies just at the start of the, I guess, that were made just at the start of the war. Right. Yeah. Because then, like, it, it seems it, the, they're not quite sure what, like, what tone to strike. Which yeah. Which is interesting. To me. 100%. Yeah. They, they can't decide if they want to try and be humanistic or if they want to just be straight kind of propaganda. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, let's move on to the pride of the Yankees. A movie not about, not about the war. Not about the war. <clears throat> um, so Gary Cooper was born before Lou Gehrig was born. So it's very wow. funny in this movie to watch particularly Gary Cooper play like college-age Lou Gehrig. Yeah, college-age Lou Gehrig. <laughs> Again, that seems like to be sort of like... Because he was like 40 when he shot this movie, and as yeah. we've discussed before, 40 in 1942 is equivalent to... 80. 80 now, yeah. So. It's very funny. There's like a more movies that we're going to get into too where I'm just like, could they not find a younger looking dude? Like, <laughs> yeah. the guy, like Magnificent Ambersons, like this, like they all look old, especially compared to Teresa Wright, his, like, yeah. who he marries and it, who's like. Who, Teresa Wright was literally, literally like 17 when she shot yeah. this movie or something like that. Or maybe that's enough. Maybe that's something. Oh no, that's Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yankee Doodle Dandy. The wife of George M. Cohan is was the actress was seventeen, and she plays like the wife like till she's like in her fifties or whatever. Uh, But Teresa Wright was in her twenties. She was very young. Hollywood, am I right? Yeah. Hollywood. Am I right? Fucking Holly Weird. Holly Weird. Yeah. Not fair to not fair to ladies. Um, this is hard because it really reminds me of the Norm Macdonald sketch, where he's like, "Remember, do you know that one?" I think he, so. From SNL, where he does at the at the end, he he like he does the speech of like, "Today, I consider myself the luckiest man in the world." And everybody cheers, and he goes, "I was being sarcastic. <laughs> I have a disease yeah. that's so rare. They named it." After me. <laughs> I'm unlucky. I'm unlucky. It was, it's very. I mean, it's kind of hard because this, so this movie was made like a year after Gehrig dies. Like it's very, like very quick. Um, yeah. I don't know enough about Lou Gehrig's personal life to know, but it, he just seemed like sort of a he boring, seems like a nice saint. man. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's not a lot of complication in this movie. The only time we no. see him like get mad is when a couple of other the other guys in his fraternity have overheard him like trying to woo a woman and basically like restate what he says but say fireman instead of engineer or whatever he says he's gonna be yeah i mean the film is very rosy on both lou gehrig and america in general it's like Everybody has an equal chance in this country, his his mother. 
Uh, my favorite part was Babe Ruth playing Babe, Babe Ruth. Ruth plays himself. Which is we quite get to fun. See he enters of- with a sandwich yeah. in his mouth. And I was like, okay, I'm all in on Babe Ruth, the actor. Yeah. <laughs> who we who get- decided to do a covered entrance. That's what we call a covered entrance. Do you think we, uh, do you think that was like a popular gag, uh, in the thirties was to eat someone's straw hat? I, (laughs) that I couldn't wrap, wrap my head around. And then they were like, uh, this isn't even the first time it's happened. Like, no, we've we've come to learn that Babe Ruth has to continue to buy straw hats because the team keeps eating them. Yeah. It seems very, uh, like a very flimsy hat too. You think also if that keeps happening, just keep it on your head, babe. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. Just don't, don't take it. Is your? I guess his head, his head gets hot. He's a. He's great. He's a more interesting character than Lou Gehrig. Apologies to the Lou Gehrig state. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's a biopic. It's a biopic that- where nothing. There's no sort of dark night of the soul. I mean, like again, yeah, he literally gets fifteen ALS. minutes towards the end. They're yeah. like, "You're gonna die." We and see him then, like fall at one point, and no one on the team will go help him up. And I was like, "Is this just because men?" So like, they're afraid like it would be upsetting. There's also a scene where he's wrestling with Teresa Wright on the beach, mm-hmm. um, and they're talking. And he's, I think he says he's like, "How I beat my wife." I was like, "Okay, it <laughs> doesn't." <laughs> does not age well at all. This made me feel bad for her because I was like, mother's-in-law, am I right? Yeah. Mm. Um, I did write down, I wrote down, Again, why is he slumping? Again, mothers and sons, weird. Why is, he, why is he slumping? Is it because he's he's slowly, his body is slowly breaking down because of a rare disease? Probably. Probably. There's also like a couple like baseball things in this. So Gary Cooper apparently like, could not like play baseball. Like he was very bad at it. Um, but it was funny, like very early. So they fit, there's like the first like five minutes is like Lou Gehrig as a boy. And we see him like kind of being bullied and he has like baseball cards and they finally let him bat because one of the other kids gets called in for dinner. And you can so clearly tell that the home run he hits is someone throwing the ball from behind (laughs) the camera (laughs) As opposed to him, like, hitting anything. Actually hitting the ball, yeah. Um, yeah, the effects are better in the sand lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which is also a better movie than Pride of the Yankees. Sorry. Yeah, people really like this movie, but uh, it's Weird. all kind of just leading up to that speech. And I the speech pe- is I good, think... although it's not even the exact... They, like, changed no, the speech for the purposes of dramatic tension, I guess. Yeah. But. They did not, yeah, it is not the, it is not verbatim the speech at all, which seems like it would be a real problem. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, it's just a biopic. Again, I think people like it because they like Lou Gehrig. Yeah, they liked Lou Gehrig. Because the internet didn't exist. He was like probably maybe the biggest sports star up until that point that had been like cut down in their prime. Like, especially mm-hmm. like, you know, it wasn't like they were, I don't, I'm sure there had been people, but it's not like they were in like a car accident or, you know, like some of like it was 
something strange and like and the, that people the internet didn't with. exist in the forties, so nobody knew all of nobody read all of his racist tweets. Right, exactly. And, uh, they no, have they, no, I, no reason to think anything but great things about him. Now we do know that he went to like watch ballroom dance for like twenty minutes of the two hours of his life. Yeah. Um, which is you know Pretty that's just a kind of classic thing from this period of time where they just like to yeah. throw in. Hey, we need to pad this movie out, so we'll have like uh, someone singing at the opera for fifteen minutes, or we'll just have God. like this dance routine that has nothing to do with any of the characters in the movie. People like dance. You really, right? you really do not need to pad out a movie. Hey, Holly Weird, stop doing that. Hey, Holly Weird, cool it, cool it. On to the next. Random Harvest. Okay, <laughs> I kind of like, liked this movie. So this movie. It's Ronald Coleman, who is also in the next movie we'll talk about. And also and who's too old. Too fucking old. Well, so too old that the whole idea of it is he is, like, in a sanitarium, basically, after World War I. Because he has lost his memory as to anything prior to World War I. And they can't just release him unless it's, like, releasing him to his parents. So very early on, like, these parents come to see if that's their child. And I wrote down... Should have been obvious since they're younger than he is. <laughs> he stands up expectantly like, are you my mommy? And I'm like, babe, that could be your daughter. That could be, I have terrible <laughs> news for you. That could be your daughter. Um, but then in the, I guess we're supposed, it's the armistice, right? I guess we're supposed to like, the World War One comes to an end. And then like yes. the excitement is- of it. And he, he escapes. He escapes from the sanitarium. Um, meets a, a very kind woman that for some reason is like, I'll take you in, man who's just escaped from an mm-hmm. insane asylum. Even yep. if you're not insane, like it still yep. seems like. I can tell. Yeah, I can tell you're nice. Well, and she wasn't wrong. She she was right. Uh, and then, oh, there's a whole, she does a whole number because she's with a theater troupe. And then they get married and have a baby. <clears throat> yeah. And he's, and then he's become like, a journalist. He's like, become a writer of some sort. And he's like, I got to go out of town. Yeah. Um, About this newspaper back. job. Yeah. I'll be back. Goes to Liverpool. Hit by a cab. Yeah. Memory comes back. Is but this only pre, only war and before. War and before. So he remembers everything, who he was, blah, 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 has no recollection of the years between. Here's my question. Is this a thing? This isn't a thing, right? I don't Is this think a thing? so. I don't okay. think you can get... It just seems very unlikely that the memory loss would be so cut that it was like previously so you wouldn't remember any of this, but now you do remember, but now you don't remember the last five yeah. years. Five years, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Goes back to the manor that he's from. Which is called? Random House. Random Random Hall. Random Hall. Random Hall. Why is this movie called Random Harvest? I literally wrote that down. Why (laughs) is this movie called Random Harvest? So random because he's from Random Hall. Makes sense. Kind of a random. Yeah. To be honest with you, kind of a random pull. It's not like he became a farmer in the intervening years. No, he did not. I don't know. Anyway, he manages to make his way back to the hall the, the day after his father's funeral. 
Mm-hmm. So the, the reactions family, from the family when they find out he is alive are reserved. One of the sister-in-laws in particular thinks he's either a scammer or he has tried to abandon the family and is only returning now to to get the his inheritance, basically. Right. And that all is kind of like makes sense to me. But like when he walks in, because they haven't seen him. When he walks into the breakfast room and his, all of his siblings are there, they're like, oh, hey, it is you. Well, great. Glad to see you. Glad you're back. Like, yeah. that's your fucking brother who's <laughs> How been you doing, like, old chum? <laughs> hey, old chum. How's it been? That's your brother. He's yeah. been missing for like three, four years. What is happening? What is occurring? You thought he was dead. Just thought you caught some British. mustard Very gas, British. old pal. <laughs> it's British as fuck. Yeah. Um, the lip. only one that really cares that he's back is Kitty, who is his niece, really just in name. It's technically the daughter of his brother's wife. It's yeah. not his, his but his step stepniece. His stepniece. <clears throat> but um Kitty basically just immediately wants to to fuck him. Like that's like, what is of interest right to her. She actually says, because I wrote this down, I shall come often. Oof. This movie's good. Okay. <laughs> he wants to go back to college. He is 55 years old. I yeah. don't know what the plan was there, but he is, uh, that it would be like the movie Back to School with Roger Dangerfield. Roger? Rodney <laughs> Dangerfield. <laughs> Help me. It would be the movie Back, movie to, school. back to School with Roger Rabbit. With Roger Rabbit. <laughs> uh, anyway, he does not. He stays and like, works for his family and gets richer and then is going to marry the kitty who is easily 40 years his junior. Yes. And basically, you know, we see like a little montage of her growing up that ends with her basically being like, just to remind her, I'm 18 now. Yeah. <laughs> we can do, we can do it. Yeah. We can do it. Yeah. Um, then- that, that actress though, I actually looked up and she had an extremely oh, I, tragic life. Oh my god! I looked that. I looked. Yeah. I looked this up too because I thought she was really good and she was very beautiful. And I was like, it's funny to me that she was not in more things. Yeah. Very tragic. She life. was. She was injured in a hunting accident and she was paralyzed. Mm-hmm. That basically, obviously, like she kind of stopped working. I think she had said she did some radio and stuff, but she, because of her condition, became very depressed and eventually died basically of starvation. Um, yeah, stopped eating. Yeah. Very dark. Yes. Very dark. Sad. Um, anyway. Let me ask you a question. Let me yeah, ask you ahead. a question. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's say this situation happened to you. So, the situation you know, in the movie, the 1942 movie, Random Harvest, happened yeah, to me. So, let's say like Maddie has to go, you know, over to Wilshire about a writing job, gets hit by a cab. Mm-hmm. All those cabs just zipping around Los (laughs) Angeles. Forgets everything Mm post-Stanford. You know? Mm -hmm. Uh, We know how his mother feels about you, so when he returns home to Arizona, (laughs) she makes no mention of your marriage. She's just like, we've never met. We've never met. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he goes on to become a showrunner, needs an assistant. Do you think you could work as his (laughs) assistant and never mention the fact that you had been married to him? Had a child with him. Also, we learned the child has died. Like that, I they could, just that kind I of like this is kind of just even, like uh, I was very yeah. sick and our child died. Anyway, yeah. we're just gonna scoot by that. 
Yeah. Almost had to stop the movie for that, by the way. A child died. Could not. I wrote, child died. Cannot watch any further. Yeah. They really gloss over it, though. They really gloss over it. Um, I don't. I would be sued for sexual harassment for grabbing that for grabbing that ass. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It'd yeah. be a real problem. It'd be a real problem for me to keep it in my in my pants. Yeah. So anyway, he decides not to marry Kitty <laughs> and basically is like, should we propose a merger? And basically is asked Margaret, who is now his secretary, to marry him, but basically just so she can also not just be his regular secretary, but his social secretary at home. And I wrote down at this point, I was like, Margaret, this guy sucks. Yeah. He totally blows. <laughs> he's not she's Smitty. Very, he's not the no, Smitty not, you remember. He's not the Smitty you remember, but she's very much in love with her Smitty. Very yeah. much in love with her Smitty. So much so that she seems very unaffected by her child dying. Yeah. Her infant son. Yeah, as long as she can get back with the man. Yeah, then it's fine for her. Um, uh, yeah, and then it kind of peters out from there. It, like, he eventually, she's, it's like. He there, basically like retraces the, his steps because he remembers where a tobacco shop was that happened, which is right before he had met her. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, the moral of the story is thank God for smoking. smoking. Thank God for smoking. I did write this scene of Kitty realizing he doesn't love her is great. He is way too old for her, but because it's like silent, she just is like he. She's like looking at his face and ha- like she, that girl, girl was good. I feel bad for that girl. Yeah, that very sad. Very sad. Random Show. harvest. It went down again. It went down smooth. Is very. These, I will say these movies from this year. Some of these movies are wild. Like I feel wild. like if someone made one of these movies, like Random Harvest or King's Row today, I'd be like, "That's a wild plot." That's a wild plot. That's a wild so plot. So for it to be 85 years ago. It's, hey, Craig, well, wild things were happening in 1942. It's true. I don't know if you know. It's true. But wild things. Uh, talk of the town. Talk it's your boy. I keep. It's my. It's my. It is my boy. Um, Cary Grant. Although I'm going to tell you something right now. He is hot. I would kick him the fuck. Out of my house mm-hmm. if he snored like that. Yeah. Very loud. So loud. The whole house is yeah. aware of him Shaking. Snoring. Shaking house. No man. So no ma'am. No ma'am. Cary Grant plays a man named Leopold Dilg. Why would they make his name like that? <laughs> Why would they make it D-I-L-G? And it's everywhere. Dilg, Dilg, Dilg. Why would Daddy, you not I'd just like be to like... Grope, right? <laughs> I was going to say, why not make it a, if you're going to make it a queer name, why not make it a queer name like Martin? Right. Morgan, sorry, Morgan. <laughs> Morgan. Morgan. Just horsing around. That's just how we just do horsing. Just horsing around. That's just yeah. how we do horsing. Um, <clears throat> so Leopold Dilg has been accused of murder. <laughs> when you just. It murder sounds like you're having foul. a stroke. So Leopold Dilg is an accused of murder. Accused of murder. Accused of murdering his boss. And basically he's escaped from prison. Uh, and goes to this house, um, where he's just hiding out. Gene Arthur is there. Um, Gene Arthur's there getting the house from, ready. What was the name of that movie? Um, it's from the year before, right? Yeah. Um, or the year after, actually. Cause we, you know, three's a crowd or that's three's, not the name yeah. of it, but that was, no, but the, it's something like it. the guests um, in my house. It, it, the were, more, the merrier, the more. The merrier. Yeah. The more the merrier. Basically um, playing the same character. Okay. I'm going to ask you to rank. I'm going to give you three names. Okay. And you're going to rank them in order of 
most lasting fame? Yeah. Gene Arthur. Mm-hmm. Judy Holliday. Mm-hmm. Gene Hagen. Hagen, third. Arthur, second. Judy Holliday, first. But I think wow, Judy Holiday. I think Judy Holiday is first because she won Best Actor, and she's so known for Born Yesterday. Well, I could not disagree with you more. I would say Gene Hagen is the has the most lasting fame because hmm. she's far and away the 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 movie that people have seen the most. Fifty years on, people are not watching Born Yesterday, but they are watching Singing in the Rain. Then Judy Holiday. But then see, Gene I feel Arthur. like people don't know her name. Gene Hagen? Yeah, I, I think feel they, like I, I feel like the when same people, people that think, know Judy Holiday's name know Gene Hagen's name. I mean, I just feel like when you, th- I feel like if you think of Born Yesterday, the first person you're thinking of is Judy Holiday. When you think sure. of Singing in the Rain, Gene Hagen's the fourth person you think of. I think you're right. However, I think if you pulled fifty people on the street, I think of those fifty people, maybe three of them will have seen Born <laughs> Yesterday, and I think. 40 of them will have seen singing. But how many of them would be able to tell you that Gene Hagen was in it? Anybody that would be able to tell you Gene Hagen was, I think there would be more people that would be able to tell you Gene Hagen than Judy Holiday. Well, guess we have a guess. Ask maybe if you can do a man on the street thing for Jimmy Kimmel. (laughs) Also, definitely Gene Hagen over Gene Arthur. Gene Arthur was in Talk of the Town and More the Merrier. Listen, I never saw her after More the Merrier. You ask I my did. opinion, I give it to you. And it's, I and couldn't like disagree it. with it more. Yeah. I want people to weigh in. I'm going to go out there and ask them. Put this as a poll. Put this as a poll. Um, there are black people in this movie. There's a black person in this movie. That's true. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, Ronald Coleman, our guy, has a memory in this. He's like a law professor. Tapped to become a new Supreme Court justice. He's basically coming to live in this house. Um, Gene Arthur's only there to get the house ready, and she kind of weasels her way into being. Well, he own, she owns the, the house. She's 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 renting it. Right. She and her mother own the house. They rent it out. Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, but so the whole movie basically becomes Leopold Dilg. Um, trying to change uh, Ronald Coleman's thoughts about the law so he will basically see that he was innocent. Yeah. So, for instance, and then at one point, he convinces Gene Arthur him, offers... take him to a baseball game. Yeah. Which I was like, how is that going to... And then it actually sort of works because the local judge is also there and he right. vehemently agrees with, disagrees with the local judge's uh, belief on law. So I was like, well, yeah. guess okay. Leopold did what he was doing. <clears throat> um, again, the tone of this movie is very light. And it turns out the man is not dead, the man that he's been accused of murdering. So, but for the first three quarters of the movie, you think he's dead. Yeah. And this fire has been set and there's a murder on the loose. The tone is very slapsticky light. Cary Grant seems largely unbothered that he is wanted for murder. He's yeah. kind of just like chilling yeah, around the house. Yeah, yeah. he's fine. Waiting for his borscht. <clears throat> yeah. Trying to get Gene Hagen to make him eggs. Yeah. Um, Gene Hagen, and then it's a little bit of a love trial. trial. Yeah, it turns trial. into a love it's triangle. It's not Gene Hagen, it's Gene Arthur. Yeah. It turns into a love triangle, and at the end, she picks the guy with no job security, as opposed, I mean... See, I'm going to disagree with you. I think at the end, they move to a Georgetown brownstone and live as a throuple. 
<laughs> Hot. Yeah. Hot. I mean, fuck, Mary kill, for sure. You fuck Cary Grant, but you do marry the Supreme Court justice because that, that job security cannot be beat. Great moment when they say, when we find out that he's a justice officially because they say something about, like, justice, and it cuts to the court, which, of course, is nine white men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Back <clears throat> in the good old days, am I right? Yeah. I, again, there is a black person in this movie. I don't even yeah. remember who they played, but I wrote down there is a black person in this movie. Yeah. Um, I wrote down, the movie actually gets kind of confusing, I feel like, in the last half hour. Everything sort of speeds up, and I, I wasn't, yeah. even for, like, a light comedy i wasn't really following what was happening a hundred percent they went to boston to find the guy that wasn't dead yeah he escapes again i don't really remember i don't really remember no i don't really remember but it's unlike anything else from the year and that it's you know just like a comedy that got nominated for best picture which yeah that used to happen yeah it did it did. It did. I like Jean Arthur. She's fun. Yeah, She's she is. Not as famous as Jean Higgins or Judy Holiday, but I mean, she had her own show called the Jean Arthur Show. That was the last right. thing she Which, did. Which, by the way, I'm ta- I'm saying lasting fame. She was in Shane. Last. She was in a movie. She was in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Then you know what? I might put her even above Judy Holiday. You can't take it with you. I might a lot of stuff with Jimmy Judy Stewart. Holiday. She was in a movie called Too Many Husbands. Too many husbands? Husbands. Cousins? Husbands. husbands. Oh, God. Would love You've that already to be my problem. too many husbands, Would love right? that to be my problem, <laughs> am I right? Am I right? Um, let's move along to Wake <laughs> Island. Wake Island. Woof. <laughs> I just wrote, my only really note on this is, don't want to go there, don't want to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, this, so this probably was thrown together pretty quick. Wake Island was one of the first, like, U.S., battles of the war like it's the turnaround basically right for this movie must have been yeah uh, it's basically right after they find out about pearl harbor and then it's the japanese navy like coming to wake island and them trying to defend that it's also did you know what wake island is for because that was the more interesting thing mm-hmm. for me more than this <clears throat> movie back in the day mm-hmm. you couldn't make that Transatlantic, Trans-Pacific flight, Trans-Pacific flight. Oh, so it was just like a So it was a way station, yeah, Yeah. to put more gas in the tank. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, It's like in the middle of the, it's in the the middle of the fucking Pacific Ocean. Yeah. There's also like a, this is also sort of weird tonally. I think it's trying to be like, these soldiers are human, because there's a lot of comedy in this movie. Like, there's specifically, there's, like, two comedy grunt soldiers. The movie opens with, like, this goodbye, like, montage where everyone's saying goodbye to, like, one is, like, saying goodbye to his young wife, and one is saying goodbye to his daughter, and then one is saying goodbye to the native women that he fucks. (laughs) Like... Yeah. Yeah. And then they all die. Everybody in this movie dies. Yeah. Except uh, I'm going to pretend like the dog and her puppies live. Okay. The slut dog. Yeah, the slutty dog, right? Yeah. That's that's slutty. The dog that we dog. think has died that comes back at the end and has puppies and no one can quite ascertain where she would have gotten pregnant from because mm-hmm. there are no other dogs on the island. <clears throat> that's some interspecies shit yeah. going on there. Yeah. Those are some lonely men in, on Wake Island. Um, 
I wonder about those Japanese actors and the discrimination they must have faced. Oh, yeah. about that? Yeah. Like, they're in this movie, right? And they're playing, like, the, you know, and we all know, like, what happened to Japanese Americans during this time. I wonder about those Japanese actors. I think about them. Yeah. The effects of the cruiser blowing up, pretty doobie. I mean, again, I think just that they made, must have made this movie in like a month. Like yeah. This battle happened in December of 1941. And this movie came out in 1942 in time for, you know, the Oscars for yeah. the next year. And yeah, a lot of the war battle stuff, like I'm sure probably at the time was pretty impressive, but now it just feels tedious because it's not, obviously it's not great Good. by our yeah. standards. <laughs> um, I did think the I've said this before about war movies like I do like sort of appreciate like sometimes when there's just like these kind of brutal unceremonious deaths of these characters yeah. we've been following because that's what happened like yeah. you know we don't have any like final speeches like as It's not Tom like, Hanks being like earn this right earn earn it Yeah exactly <clears throat> Um yeah but this movie's not great No a relic of its time. A relic. Nobody, and there's a reason why nobody's ever heard of Wake Island. Both the movie and the island. Because then, mm-hmm. then once the, you got the Boeing 747, it could cross the Atlantic. Uh, I keep saying Atlantic. The Pacific, and then they didn't <clears throat> need that island anymore. So I think it's like Yeah, I wonder if it's just in, uninhabited. That's interesting. Yeah. What is Wake Island now? Um, should we move on? Sure. Sure. Well, put a feather in your cap. Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yankee Doodle Dandy. So oh I think gosh. the strangest thing about this movie is the framing device. Yes. Which is George By... and Cohan going to the White House. <laughs> By the House. way, Cohan, I feel like they really want to emphasize like he yeah, is not, not Jewish. Yeah, it's not Cohen. Cohan. A couple times he's like, Cohan. Yeah. We get it. You're not Jewish. Continue. Yeah. Um, going to the White House to receive a Congressional Medal of Arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the first performer to ever receive the Congressional Medal um, from the president. Now, so basically it's him telling his story to FDR. Mm-hmm. So he starts telling it, and then at the end we go back to it, and he gets the actual Congressional Medal. Here's why this is interesting. I don't know if you looked at this at all, Meg, but George M. Cohen was, like, extremely conservative Republican. and. Sure. Hated he's FDR. got a real, I mean, listen, he's got a real fucking boner for America. I'll yeah. tell you that right now. H- hated FDR. And in fact, he was announced for this awards in something like 1936 and didn't even accept the medal for like three more years. Wow. So the idea that they were like, I know, we'll have him and FDR having a chat. This is something George M. Cohen would have done. <laughs> Is very is very funny and interesting. I mean, I would an actor also just be called to meet the president privately? Like, probably. does FDR I have time? Guess, I would guess probably not. He was dealing with the depression. And, I was going to say know, he's got there was stuff Europe going on. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the FDR ADR is yeah. pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you never see him, but his like the whoever's doing the voiceover. I have some notes. Yeah. They're not going to be kind. And it's it's also funny because it, in the time that he's doing this, he is he playing a fictional president or is he playing FDR? 
Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell, but then, well, but then at the end, he is playing FDR because he's, because Kohan is afraid that he's going to be in trouble for his performance. Right. Because he's currently playing FDR on Broadway in a, in a musical that has a dancing Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Right. Now, if there's one thing that I know <laughs> yeah. about FDR, and I don't know a ton, yeah, but I do know that this man was in a wheelchair. So, right. but the, re- remember, a lot of Americans did not know this. this right, was, America, a lot of Americans uh, heavily did not know this. kept secret right. that the president right. was paralyzed because of polio. Yeah, um, as a young boy. Um, <clears throat> fascinating, we, fascinating. Uh, the whole family is in the show business. Yes. Sorry, let's go back to the beginning. So the yeah. framing device is the FDR shit, but it basically yeah. it's it's cradle to grave. Literally, he's born on the 4th of July. Right. Uh, when we see that happen. Uh, not the birth, but we see the 4th of July parade. We see him crowning and... <laughs> and he comes right out. Um, anyway... Um, and then the whole family, then they have a sister, and then it's the four Cohans, and they mm-hmm. are in a vaudeville troupe. Yeah. Now, if you're wondering, does the whole family perform in blackface at some point? Yes, they, they do. do. Of course. They do. But they do. in they their do. defense, only once that we yeah, see. Yeah, only that one time. Only that yeah. one time. It is jarring. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, uh, and so then, whatever, and then, again, much like the other George Amberson uh, this George M. Cohan is kind of a dick. Yeah. And that's sort of his thing. He also doesn't really sing, he, which is a brave choice. <clears throat> right. Um, he just kind of rhymes. Uh-huh. Yes. So instead of, I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy, it's, I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yankee Doodle is my name. <laughs> that's, it's like that. Mm-hmm. It's more like, it's like a rhyming thing. There's a there's a there's a moment early on where they're trying to s- sell a song, and this at this point it's with his not yet wife. Uh, I don't believe they're married yet, but um, this young actress who he's duped, who thinks he's an old man because he's played an old that man in fun. a vaudeville sketch. That was a fun. That's that's that scene was fun. When, but they go the young, to yeah. you know they go to like. Ten Pen Alley and try and sell this song to these songwriters uh, who do not buy it. And I don't blame them because the Harrigan song was bad. It was a bad, bad. song. Very, very so bad. So I was like, that's very why they song. didn't buy it. I feel like you want yeah. us to be like, these guys are idiots. Oh, they should have bought this song. Stupid. But that song was bad. But I will say probably my favorite moment of any of the nominees of the year are the recreation of Little Johnny Jones and Yankee Doodle Dandy. Like the stage show. Because I was oh, like, yeah. I don't know. Those are just like fun. It's just like yeah. a musical number, and it's like, well done. Yeah. Give my regards to Broadway, and they have the the, sh- the ship going away and, uh-huh. and on stage and stuff. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, and then it just sort of becomes a songbook for a period of time where we just kind of yeah. cut through and see him doing different songs. But you know what? That's okay. It was something different than a lot of the rest of the other year. The rest yeah. of the year, and I didn't mind it. I, I, did, I did write this, and, and, I, and I, this is going to come off as real snarky, but... Is the dancing in this movie, is it supposed to be, like, good? I know that. So apparently, like, he actually, so Cagney was, like, a dancer. Okay. But the way he's dancing in the movie was inspired by, I guess, Cohan specifically had, like, a very, like, straight leg technique. And, like, so he, like, 
he, the choreographer for the movie was someone that had worked with George M. Cohen for a number of years. So, like, I guess okay. they really did try and ape Cohen's dancing style. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. even when when the the young girl who he ends up marrying is like gets backstage and is like, "Look, I can dance," and then she dances. I'm like, "Is this what they're doing? Yeah. Is this the the dancing what the kids of are the doing day? these days? Kids are um, doing it is it is weird. They were so careful to make sure the dancing was correct because they make a lot of weird changes to his actual life. Um, first of all, he was married before the wife we see in the movie that they don't even mention. But I get that. Like at the yeah, time, sure like they, you're not going right. to you know, valorize the guy who got yeah. divorced. Yeah. The weirdest change they make is basically like towards the end of the movie, we see him saying goodbye to his father. Uh, and it's supposed to be the last of the other Cohens that are left. And his sister right. did die very young. Like right. she had been they, married again, and stuff. They really but, gloss over. They're like, yeah. Oh, and the mom was gone and, and yeah. sis was gone. But I'm his like, mom, Whoa. his mom died. Like, almost 10 years after his dad died. So why they chose to have the father be the last death, I guess because, like, he felt like he had to get acceptance from his father and his mother always accepted him. I don't know. I don't know, but But I thought that was just, like, a weird change to make. Like, what difference does it make if that scene's... The father doesn't speak. He's like basically. Don't like, they know that the theme of 1942 is weird mother-son relationships? Boys and their moms. Yeah. I don't know. That's weird. That's weird. Um, yeah, I mean, the the songs are, like, fun. They're all about how great America is, which in the right. year of 2023 is a little hard to swallow. Um, but that's why I would have done well in 1940s, because ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me we're on the right side of history, and I will believe you. I mean, right. in that one, you know, case with the Nazis, we were. Yeah. Um, but um, it's, like, just it's just a lot of, like, a lot of rah-rah. Yeah. And then there's a scene at the end where he's like retired to his ranch and these kids just drive by and basically ask for water for their radiator or something um, and just start singing Jeepers Creepers at him and tell him they've never heard of him. (laughs) He does not like that. That's why he has to go back and be FDR on Broadway. Yeah, 100%. So the kids will remember who he is. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, Joan Yankee Leslie Doodle was Dandy. 17 when she made that movie, and she plays wow. his wife from, like, wow. the age of 18. I think she's supposed to be 18 at the beginning of the movie until old age. So. Yeah. Well, she does a great job. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Best Picture winner. Mrs. Miniver. Miniver. Um, Craig. Yeah. I liked this movie. Yeah. It's good. It's pretty good. It's it's a pretty good movie. It's I think it's good. An, I think it's an interesting I think it's an interesting way to shoot the movie, not just to make it a movie about like this upper middle class family that, mm-hmm. you know, now has to deal with war. But the movie really starts as like, it just seems like it's going to be like a dramedy of manners. It's like the, the movie first starts thing we and you see think it's like, going to be, they're going to, it's going to be about how the family has money problems because yeah. she bought both, this hat and he bought yeah. a car and, yeah. you know, they're both they're trying to spending. hide it from each other. And yep. turns out, no. They have the money. It's fine. They have a woke son. <clears throat> Super woke. <laughs> For that time? Yeah. Woke as hell. Um, I know it's a British family, but it is so clearly an American movie. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Apologies to the United Kingdom, but Hollywood is just better at making movies. Like, just the, it's, I just think about like 
the British entries, especially from the 40s or whatever. And again, a lot of them were like propaganda films, like, right. you know, whatever. 49th Parallel and what was the other one about the ship sinking and whatever. In which we serve. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, Hollywood's just better at making movies. Like the shots are more interesting. The lighting is way better. Mm-hmm. The acting is way better. Like it, they're, this movie works because of all of those, like nothing much happens. I mean, until the very end. Right. But like, it's not a ton of stuff. It's a pretty quiet movie about this, you know, this British family. And it's just, uh, it's just very, I think all the pieces that come together is just, it's just well done. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really well done movie. Uh, the acting's all strong. Mr. Ballard. Do you recognize Mr. Ballard? Yeah. It's a wizard, right? Clarence. Wait, Clarence. Sorry, Clarence, not the wizard. Clarence, it's Clarence. Clarence. It's the wizard. The wizard. Um, um, the wizard was in something else, I think, this year. Maybe not. She does at uh, one point, uh, Mrs. Minner finds a Nazi in her garden, which yeah. I hate <laughs> when I find a Nazi in my garden. Man, that guy, his, his English got better as that scene went on. He started oh, yeah. saying, coat, Give me coat. And then by the end was like, here's why we're going to beat you. Because we're going to destroy your city and we're going to come in and we're going to do it just like we did in Rotterdam. And I was like, oh, wow. You learned English very quickly in the span of just a few minutes in her kitchen. But you can definitely feel like the propaganda section there. Uh, Churchill, I can't remember his exact quote, but he basically like he loved this movie because he thought it was like would very much put like people on the side of the war effort. Once yeah, nothing would get the nothing yeah. would get Americans more pro entering the war than than this movie, and I get it one hundred percent. Yeah, um, the scene where they're in the bunker, <clears throat> he the the Mrs. Miniver and her husband and the two kids, the two young kids are in yeah. the bunker, and they're the bombing is getting closer and closer, and they're just kind of pretending like it's not happening, and they're reading from Alice in Wonderland. It's like really good and really yeah. tense too. Yeah. Um, I wrote that down too. The casual conversation amidst the bombings. Yeah. Oh, um, glad they went to Scotland for their honeymoon or whatever. And then every time it shakes, they kind of like stop and like have this thing of just like we're just gonna keep talking. It's fine. Um, and then ultimately Carol, who we meet earlier in the movie. There's also like a whole subplot about a uh, a flower show. Because Mr. Ballard has wanted to name his rose Mrs. Miniver because he thinks she's the nicest woman in town. And Carol's grandmother always wins the rose, best rose at the flower show, which is a cup that is named after the family. Um, And of course, you know, woke son, Vin. Um, And Carol, like, have a little back and forth about it. Um, And then they fall in love. And then Carol, unfortunately, is shot towards the end of the movie and dies. dies and he comes home and he's like where is she and they're like you should get some rest darling and he is like where is she and they're like in your room so you wanted him to just go up and like take a nap next to his dead, dead fiance laid out fiance? on the bed like he knew he he already knew but yeah if he had what was your plan go lay down <laughs> oh shit wait not god there, you know what i i hate it when i come home yeah. And my wife of two weeks is dead in my bed. Yeah. Dead in my bed. Dead in my bed. Um, 
dead in my bed. Um, it's also weird, again, keeping with our theme of mothers and sons. They, like, make out. They do. I actually wrote, wrote down the long kiss on the mouth that they share. Every time they kiss Mrs. Miniver and her son, it's on the mouth, mm. and it's for an extended period of time. And uh, you do know that Greer Garson married the actor who plays her son not long after this film was made. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not. Is that a joke? No. Is that a joke? Are no, you? Is that a joke, Cease? It's not. It's true. It's factual. Everything so. is satisfactual. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like they did that on purpose. Okay. I'm going to have you uh, riff for one minute. I just need to go get a pen so I can write oh, down our shit. top ten. Uh, well, guys, um, we're not talking about new movies here because Craig and I are both still on strike. Uh, but I'll say while well, he's walked away, I did see Killers of the Flower Moon. And for my thoughts on that, you'll have to wait until after the strike because Craig came back in the room. <laughs> Listen, I'm just saving you from, you know, getting written up as a scab. Because that's what happens if you dress like Barbie at Halloween. Yeah. Or... <laughs> <laughs> that's really what ruined my Halloween plans. Is... Yeah, not our best look, honestly. Um, mm. You know, I support, I very much support the strike, obviously, but I thought that was a little... Sidebar, I went out last week uh, to the lines, and uh-huh. guys, where are we? What's Get happening? Get out there. Well, we're going they're, back. They're, As of this record, they are going back to the table tomorrow, yeah, so hopefully tomorrow. this will be... Over soon. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get out there again. There's 170,000 of us. There were like 20 people on the line when I went, and they were all weird. Mm. Truly, I was like, "This is not our best. We are not sending our best." Yeah, um, it is. Uh, I sort of buy into the thing. I'm sure you've read this also that because people thought it would come really quick after the WGA strike, but particularly for television, once the WGA strike was over, it was going to take four to six weeks, even after writer's rooms got back up to go into production anyway. So they were like, well, right. we'll just keep this going and see if we can break them. Yeah, right. yeah. I think I think that's probably true. But the, Let's the do this. joke's on them because we have nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> ten to one. We'll go back and forth. Okay, great. And we'll start with ten. Okay, ten is Wake Island for me. Wake um, Island. That's also what I have at 10. Okay, great. N- that was the easy one. Nine. Mm. Nine is... Jeez Louise. I guess nine is 49th parallel. Okay, so nine for me is the Pied Piper. Okay. Okay, eight. Yeah. Eight for me is Pride of the Yankees. Apologies to Lou Gehrig. You know his wife never remarried? Well, she's a, she's a good woman. Mm. <laughs> I'm just saying I would remarry in a heartbeat. Um, I think that's right. I think I would also put Pride of the Yankees. Yeah. Eighth. Feels low, especially because people like know and love that movie. But yeah. other than the speech at the end, which is... Good, I guess. Yeah. Um, seven. Seven, I'm going to say, shit, this is like, this is hard because they kind of are all bunched together. Yeah. There, there's, this is not, 
You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. think this is just movies that I'd like to watch again. Seven, I guess, is Talk of the Town. I don't know. I'm just pulling now. I'm going to put 49th Parallel at seventh. Okay. Um, six is Pied Piper. I think I'm going to put King's Row in the six. Okay. I'm going to put King's Row at five. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am going to put Talk of the Town at five. Then at four, I'm going to put Yankee Doodle Dandy. Okay. Um, I have Random Harvest at four. Okay, three for me is Random Harvest. Um, Three for me is The Magnificent Ambersons, which I'm guessing is your... Two. That's my two is Magnificent Ambersons. Two is Yankee Doodle Dandy, which means both of our ones. Good work by the Academy. Mrs. Miniver. Mrs. Miniver. For sure. And with a bullet, too. Yeah. That's the only one of these movies I think that I would like pretty gladly watch again. Yeah. Um, I did write down. There's two movies, two, I did rewatch two other movies, or watch two other movies from the year. Jesus. Neither of which have I seen before. And then there were two, I don't know, have you ever seen Woman of the Year with Katherine Hepburn? Yes. Like so in that's high from this school year, when I went like, through a weird obsession. Yeah, it won her. like a story or a screenplay award. I didn't get a chance to revisit that, but I remember like, you know, when I watched it several years ago, Bambi is also from 1942. Oh my God. A movie I'll never watch again. I mean, yeah. for the perf- you know for the foreseeable future, right? Um, so the two movies I watched, I'd never seen Now Voyager before. No, um, yeah. which was a little different than I expected it to be. Um, it definitely should have been a nominee. I don't like it more than Mrs. Miniver. Um, I would suggest watching the first ten to fifteen minutes of it just to see uh, Betty Davis dressed up as a spinster. <laughs> <laughs> Another one that swings for the fences. Yeah, love her. Um, but actually I think the best movie of the year, and I alluded to this earlier when we were talking about the Pied Piper is to be or not to be. Which is based on the Hemingway? No, I don't think so. What's the Hemingway? Wait, that's to have or have not. Sorry. Yeah. Not no. To be or not to be. So Sorry. to be or not to be is it's an Ernst Lubitsch film about a Polish theater. Lubitsch. Troupe okay. That basically like, uh, starts working with like the Polish underground and there's a there's a professor that is basically supposed to be taking these names to the Gestapo so they like basically put on put on like they are the Nazis that he's trying to deliver it to Um, but particularly the first 30 minutes and the last 30 minutes of the film are very funny it's Carol Lombard and Jack Benny are the stars of it um but I think they probably, at the time, it was, like, a little too wry and a little too, like, jokey, given the subject yeah. matter. Yeah. But watching it now, um, like, there's even a point where, like, early on you see them and there's someone playing Hitler. And they all, he's, they say, Heil Hitler. And he walks in and he says, Heil myself, which, like, I always think <laughs> of with the producers. But yeah. um, so I think it probably didn't 
playwright at the time, but now, like, with 80 years and the fact that, obviously, the Nazi Germany is not funny, but that we're able to have some dark humor about particularly yeah. the Third Reich, um, it really works. So, anyway, I think that if I had to do it now, 81 years later, that's what I would give the best picture to. That's but, fun. That's yeah. funny. That's a fun idea. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and it's, it's, it's currently streaming on Max. So if wow. anyone wants to check it out on Max. Interesting. Interesting. Well, this is an interesting year. It was, it's very funny to see like the, the war stuff come in. Like it's the way that we're doing this is just watching them and re- watching these movies in reverse is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you have anything to plug, Meg? I keep seeing your commercial all the time. I know. Are you so uh, wealthy now? No, you think so, but still poor. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. I, I guess get Verizon. That's my plug. Yeah. Um, hopefully, by the next time we're talking to you, we'll be able to talk to you about some of our, you know, our favorite, at least our favorite movies so far of this year. But we, we're not doing it yet. So. But I'm going to say this, and and this is not scabbing. I'm going to go ahead and say, weak overall. I've not been real blown away by. I mean, again. I also had a baby eight months ago, nine <laughs> months ago. You've seen seven so movies. <laughs> I've not seen that many movies, but I've been kind of disappointed by most of the movies that I've seen. Mm. So. I just <laughs> attended a weekend of the Philadelphia Film Festival, so I just saw a lot of stuff, and I'm seeing a, a few other things over the course of the next week or so. So, okay. um, Hopefully we'll be able to talk about Hopefully that, we'll be able to talk about it soon. Um, mm. But in any case, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back at some point. Talk- 1941 is actually a pretty big film year because it's Citizen Kane, Citizen it's the Kane. Maltese Falcon, it's, you know, there's some some notable films that are still in the lexicon from that year. So we will be back uh, sometime talking about that, but we appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you had a good time. We did.